everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. It's needless to say that 2020 has been a challenging year for most, but a personal highlight has been finding my new creative home in the historic district of Potts Point in Sydney. For season three of Style Stories, I wanted to honour this vibrant community and celebrate coming together. What better way to do this than to partner with a community organisation that brings life and laughter to those who need it most, like the Wayside Chapel, the heart and soul of Potts Point, a Sydney village which has been likened to New York and Paris. Like these great cities, Wayside joyfully embraces diversity and brings together all walks of life in many creative ways, but notably through its op shop, which is renowned for being a treasure trove of donated designer digs, as well as a vital source of support for this organisation. Of course, I talk all things style with my guests this season. However, I also hope to honour their stories by highlighting their contribution to community, not only through their creative pursuits, but by looking good, feeling good, and most significantly, doing good. Today, I'm chatting with Rosie Kremer, better known as burlesque stage sensation, Rosie Rivette. While Rosie may be famous for bearing it all, what clothes she puts on proved to be as revealing as what she takes off. Rosie's colourful style references the great pin-up girls of the past, not just for their girly glamour, but for their kookiness, curves and comedy. And while Rosie may take inspiration from days of old, she offers a modern magic to both her personal and performance spaces by planning a little of the unpredictable, paying it forward and providing a playful energy that always aims to please. Nothing says 50s poster girl better than a pair of gingham pedal pushers. As such, I've styled Rosie in a pair sourced from the Wayside Chapel op shop and kept the look fiercely feminine with a pink bustier from Rotate and leopard print platforms from Rosie's personal collection. I hope you can sit back, relax and enjoy listening to Rosie's story. Hi, Rosie. Hello. <laughs> Thank Madeline, you. you I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, no worries. We'll get straight into it. All right, bring it on. Now, most people who know you for your performance know you for getting your kit off. <laughs> <laughs> but today we're obviously talking about your style and yeah. what clothes you put on. Yes, um, yes, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were preparing for this interview, mm. you were saying... You've got a colourful style. Yes. Um, going straight to the beginning, yeah. were you a colourful kid? Yeah, big time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I was an only child growing up and I think that my imagination played a very big part in uh, who I am today. Yeah. And I was always drawn to bright colours. Um, I think it's just – it helped me – as a form of self-expression in a way. Like I just felt like what I wore on myself was just the best way that I could describe who I was. And I yeah. was just this wild bundle of energy who, you know, believed in fairies far too late into her childhood. <laughs> and, you know, mad, yeah, you know, I think colours really encapsulated magic and, you know, good energy. Mm-hmm. And I was just always drawn to it. So I thought, well, I put this stuff on my body. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm magic. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, 
fashion was something that was one of your creative outlets as a kid? Oh, definitely. And I think my mum was a major part in that because my mother and father, they'd always go out every Saturday night for dinner, mm. but they really made such an occasion of it. You know, yeah. they'd really dress up. And my mum absolutely loved Alana Hill. Um, she also, also loved... Um, Lisa, was it Lisa Ho? Lisa as Ho, well? yep, yes. Yep. Um, and also, like, had these beautiful old Merivale dresses as well, oh which I've inha- um, inherited now. Oh, Very slinky. Excellent. Um, <laughs> but she always just put such an effort into going out at night, and I always just have really strong memories of the smell of her perfume and how sparkly and beautiful she looked. Mm. And, you know, I think she really enjoyed that I loved her clothes. I used to dress up in them all the time and call them dress ups. My mum would be yeah. like, no, they're, they're just clothes. They're not clothes. They're not dress ups. That's just. <laughs> Did she involve you in that process of getting ready? Like, would she oh, yeah. ask your opinion and kind of get you involved oh, in it? You know what? She just kind of present herself like I just I always Mm. saw her walking down the hallway and I don't think at the time I really commented much I just took it in you know and I just you know I always just looked forward to whatever outfit she'd come up with but uh, growing up I look back at the outfits I wore and I always had the most like top shelf like Oshkosh by gosh you know like (laughs) little matchy pieces and I think that she really loved yeah kind of spreading her love for fashion onto me and then started and that was but it was something that you shared together yeah definitely and still do to this day absolutely yeah yeah yeah. and so we was your mum creative and your dad as well or yeah so my mum dresses my dad It's, it's the best thing ever he's um he's in a band he's an incredible musician and he's also a piano tuner okay um by trade but he wears these jeans that are ripped and they're like this grey wash denim with these weird like leather studded panels across them and has like these studded cut off singlet tops with some crazy tie-dye wash and also also that sounds terrible but (laughs) see a photo when it's great sounds cool (laughs) but also like beautiful like velvet plum shirts and you know kind of like french party blouses and he really embraces whatever she puts on him too so i think she's kind of dressed all of us in a way and then we've kind of taken it in our stride to (laughs) continue down that little path was she did she work in the industry or was it just a passion of hers i think just a passion of hers like she really really appreciates good style and it's you'll never see her walk out of the house without makeup right you know she's really um she always loves to make an effort in her appearance and um yeah she's amazing she's in her early 70s now but you'd never think oh wow yeah so I think she takes a lot of pride in how she looks and um yeah color is also a big part of her repertoire as well was it in your house was there a lot of color in your house oh yeah like yellow and magenta feature walls yeah yeah totally (laughs) it's all making sense now that I say this out loud I'm like it was just my imagination but actually (laughs) Uh, (laughs) did you have other creative outlets I imagine you did because you know in preparing for this interview I was like wow this girl does a lot (laughs) of stuff um but what were your other kind of creative outlets as a Um, kid so I think yeah my I think my mom really wanted to make sure that I was always surrounded by friends and people and activities so that I wouldn't get lonely yeah um as an only child so right off you know right away as soon as I could you know use my voice and get up on my feet I'd be doing dance and drama and art classes Mm. and it's funny like coming from 
a Jewish mother who would normally want her daughter to, you know, either marry a doctor or be a doctor. <laughs> she's a naturopath, so she's quite. But she, she would be very disappointed if I became like a lawyer or a doctor. Right. She would. Um, she really wanted me to pursue being an artist because that's something that she wished she had the freedom to do when she was my age. Mm-hmm. And I think she felt that her options were very limited as a woman um, growing up. Um, did she grow up in Sydney or where? Yeah, where is she? yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah, she grew up in Sydney. Um, and then she moved to London for a little while, um, which is where she met my father. Okay. And where I was apparently conceived, which is always nice to know. <laughs> apparently uh, I was in Germany. Uh, and I, yeah, it's very specific. Yeah. Uh, I know, isn't that great? I'm like, I'm so glad you remember that one night. I know, like they, they could have pinpointed down the exact date, which is a little awkward, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, so funny. It's like, good on you, but yeah. also... Um, so is your dad English then yeah 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 yeah. my dad's British yeah 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 um but oh gosh I feel like I just rattled on then and I lost track of your your mum met your dad in London and she traveled a bit but she grew up in Sydney yeah that's it and she um I think she just saw all the wonderful opportunities that were you know developing as career paths for you know, I think kids of my generation at yeah. the time. So she really wanted me to encourage, well, she wanted to encourage me to follow my passions. And she mm-hmm. saw that I loved art and performing. So she really did everything she could to like, you know, organize workshops for me or, you know, just like fill my house with paints and, you know, like costumes and just opportunity to, to do what I wanted without feeling the pressure of having to be something else, which I think is what she experience growing up herself as well from her mom yeah so right I think she wanted to really do things differently with me and yeah. so and do you think that finding your dad who's like this cool musician oh, guy from sure. overseas gave her a freedom to Definitely. explore that yeah I think so absolutely I think it really let like allowed her to you know I think she had a while she's always had a wild side but yeah. I think it meant she could hold on to that a little longer like my parents still go out for drinks and they're you know they're calling me on a Thursday night being like come out to Earl's yeah. Juke Joint and I'm like mum it's 9 30 on a Thursday I've got to go to sleep yeah exactly <laughs> next time like, <laughs> it's so cute though it sounds like they're very in love and yeah it's so nice that's such a nice thing to grow up with because yeah I'm so grateful for that it's rare these days right I you know. don't I even now I don't hear a lot of my friends even you know saying oh you know my parents are just still so in love yeah, you know yeah. so um that must that must have been magical for you like I'm, to have that um especially as an only child totally you, know, you just oh. got to share in their joy oh for sure and I'm such a sensitive soul like I just can't imagine what yeah, it would be like if they weren't. To, I mean, I'm sure it'd be okay. We adapt, but I am yeah. really grateful for that. And I think it's something that I hadn't really reflected on until recent times when mm. you you learn that divorce is, is so common. Mm. And you learn yourself being in relationships as well that, you know, you meet someone and you think they're the one and then something happens in life and things change. And that's not, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily how it goes. And even if you're married, that doesn't necessarily mean so either. Yeah. You know? So... I am. I'm really grateful, and I think, yeah, yeah. It's well, I, I want. I wanted to get into this, but I think one yeah. of the things that is kind of a testament to mm. you and how your career path has gone is how supportive your parents have been <gasps> from the sounds of things, and given you uh, uh, your freedom and a confidence to do something like burlesque, which. Yeah. 
uh, sure. you know, is yeah. not the type of thing that you kind of traditionally have parents go, you know what, you go, oh girl, yeah, yeah, take totally. your clothes off, yeah, yeah. be fabulous. <laughs> Rip that bra off faster, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when I when I finished high school, I, you know, I knew I wanted to keep performing. I actually ended up going to uni to study film and mm. um, at the same time I actually discovered my love of burlesque because I loved – I loved dancing and I loved, you know, costumes and I loved performing, but I was never the best dancer. I couldn't sing for shh. Can I yeah, sing? Yeah. yeah, you, you know can. what I mean? You can, yeah. I couldn't sing for crap. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wasn't the best actress, but I really loved performing and I loved mm. making people laugh and I was really into pin up at the time and like Yeah, I was yeah, gonna ask yeah. so how because you know, pin up's not um something that is you know, it's what a traditional late teen kind of goes totally. to as an iconic movement sure. to influence them. Yeah. How did you come to find pinups as a, a source of inspiration for you? Um, just drawing. I loved drawing them. So I think yeah. I just saw some, I think the time when like Tumblr was at its height, yeah. you know, I found myself really following a lot of pages that had um, more specifically imagery of Betty Page. Yeah, um, yeah. I just thought she was just incredible. I was like, who is this woman who's so cute and funny and confident, but her body's not like, you know, the bodies that we're pressured to look like. Like she Mm -hmm. has curves. She's also like in her 30s and she's dancing kind of oddly, but she's still so sexy and her outfits are awesome. And I was just really intrigued by her and I loved drawing her and I started watching videos of her and I – I saw her in a show called Teaserama, right? Which um, is just this incredible um, burlesque show, essentially, where her and Lily St. Sire and um, Tempest Storm and all these different burlesque performers were just doing like an act, and the way they were dancing was so intriguing, and I loved, I loved that it was funny. And they weren't taking themselves seriously, but that made them so alluring and attractive. And, and did I was, you identify with that? Like, yeah, is that something that you yeah. saw in yourself? Yeah. I was like, I don't mind. Like, I'm I'm fine with my body. I mean, I've, everyone's got their own, you know, things in their body, yeah. you know. But I, I didn't mind. I think my mum has always been, you know, like a bikini lady, you yeah. know. And, like, nudity was never a shameful thing for me growing up. So... It wasn't it wasn't even a question. I didn't really think of that. Yeah, and you've said before that your mum uh, is a, like there's something uh, the relationship between Betty Page and your mum, like oh. that she kind of reminds you of your mum. Is oh. that is that right? I think, to be honest, I think I actually introduced my mum to Betty Page. Right. I don't even think she knew, but she knew about a lot of other icons from the 1950s okay. and definitely. And has well, if she was into Alana Hill, oh, I imagine totally. that you spoke to her too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. And I, I remember a very specific memory when I, I started doing burlesque classes and I was building an act um, at home. Um, because I knew, like, you can learn all this stuff in the workshops, but at the end of the day, if you want to perform, like, you've got, you've got to have an act, yeah. you know, and you've got to bring that act onto stage. So I practice in my bedroom, but then my, in my parents' room, they have those floor-length um, 
mirrors that are attached to the wardrobe, uh, the built-in wardrobe, and I was practicing tussle twirling. And so I remember just sitting, I mean, just standing like in in her bedroom with no shirt on, just trying all these different directions to spin my tassels. And my mum came into were the room. Were they like a sparkly peach? Because I always the, think oh, of a nipple tassel as the yeah. sparkly peach. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they were terribly handmade or cheap or, yeah, you know, yeah, it was like, yeah. I look back at like all the chicken feathers and the bad stripes and fishnets that yeah. I went through to get to where yeah, yeah. now. But, um, um, so sorry, your mum walked oh, in. Oh, yes, she walked in and she, I just remembered this, this feeling of horror and dread because, you know, I had no shirt on. I was in this compromised position and then yeah. she was just like, oh, my God, darling, how are you doing that? <laughs> How do they stay on? How do you make them spin? Show me. Yeah, yeah, totally. She's like, God, I wish I could have done something like that when I was your age. I was like, Mom, you can do that now. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, it was so beautiful that, again, something that I, I am very grateful for and was immediately grateful for was that my parents just understood what burlesque was and they came to my shows and they were so supportive and they really saw it for what it was, which is, is really difficult for like, you know, it has been for partners in the past for me. Mm. It has been for friends and it has been for other performers whose parents absolutely do not approve mm. um, of what they do or they don't see it for what it is. And that's, you know, it's really heartbreaking to hear that and it's heartbreaking to experience it, but it's so reaffirming, you know, um, and I'm so grateful to know that my parents, yeah, they're so supportive. That was one of the things I was going yeah. to ask you is like when you're in – because I imagine you were in your like early twenties, late teens. Yes, yeah. And that that's still a fairly body conscious age for most girls. For sure. And you talk about going into burlesque as something you felt comfortable with because you you felt that body confidence. Mm. But do you think that was just because there was an open discussion about sexuality in your household and mm. just your mum's kind of comfort with her own body got yeah. imbued onto you? Mm. It's interesting. I think I actually had to really self-navigate my own sexuality and right. like educate myself with that kind of stuff. I kind of had to learn through my own mistakes. So there was never an open conversation about sex in my household. I mean, I remember the first time I told my mom I lost my virginity. She's like, oh, well, you know, I hope you used protection. And that yeah. was kind of, and you know, and then I was like, mom, I think I should go on contraception. She's like, okay. You know, yeah. so I never, I think that was very self-navigating. Um, but I think definitely the fact that my mom, you know, she's got like quite a short stature and she's like, you know, she's very petite, but she's quite curvy as well. Mm. And, you know, even though she actually had a lot of qualms about her own body, she still, you know, there was, she didn't mind being nude. So it's interesting because I think a lot of people, yeah, they see, you know, someone doing burlesque and they think you must have so much confidence. Mm. But the thing is, is that with all the makeup and the costuming and the character work, you become quite disassociated from yourself. Like right. I've definitely gone through and still go through a lot of battles, you know, with my confidence. Right. A lot of it is more inward, I think, more than physical. But something about burlesque just really bring it's just like it's a different ball game you find you're so much more concerned about the logistics of performing and yeah. making people laugh yeah and and actually doing a good job of entertaining as opposed to how your body looks because you you learn through watching shows too that you're not focusing on that and it's actually incredible to see such a wide range of different 
bodies, people of different ages, genders, you know, um, backgrounds, some who have like all legs and all arms or who have missing limbs or you know what I mean, like mm. just own who they are on stage yeah. and and you just realise you don't focus on that anymore. Do you think the comedic element to the performance mm. kind of bridges the gap between your inner anxiety and the outer performance? It does like, for me, yeah. 100%. Like I've tried to do sincere performances, you know, like, um, you know, the very, very seductive slow tease and I'm, I am so uncomfortable yeah. doing that. For yeah. me, I love making people laugh and yeah. I love challenging people's expectations of female behaviour yeah. by – and I use comedy as a tool for that. Yeah. Yeah. So Did you always – because I know you've said in the past as well that for you performance is about delivering something that's unexpected. Yeah. Uh, were you always – from a child, was, were you always trying to push the envelope and do things a little bit differently or was that something that kind of emerged later uh, as you kind of found yourself in burlesque or – I reckon it was something that was always in me. I yeah. think I always loved being in the spotlight. Like yeah. I remember when we were doing um, – what is it? The Weather the weather Girls. It's Raining Men. Oh, I love that. And I remember <laughs> I was like – I would run down the aisle of the hall when we did the performance, you know, in the beginning where she's like, hi, Ty. And there's like the talking moment. I'd be like doing that and just owning my time on stage. And I, you know, when I did ballet as a child, you know, I was not, I was never the skinny girl and I was, I was always out of line. I was never, I could never kind of, you know, um, I could never... Toe the line, so to speak. Yeah, 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 Yeah. exactly, exactly. (laughs) And, yeah, I was always doing something a little bit different. So I think I always felt comfortable kind of being a solo performer in a way and bringing... I knew that I just had something different that, you know, I wanted to bring forward. And when I saw it kind of worked, then I thought, well, I just have to keep running with this, you know. But I think it definitely has been in me ever since I was a kid for sure. And and running with that, Mm. your stage name Mm. is Rosie Rivette. Yes. uh, Inspired by the, you know, the pin-up girl for feminism, you know, Rosie the Riveter. Yes, yes. Was the feminism, that sense of feminism, a strong part of you know, your performance and I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you was how do you reconcile like the femininity and the the she womanhood of a burlesque performance to kind of feminism and empowerment of body like Mm, I think um well yeah it's all about that whole we can do it idea you know and I think it's about being um self-sufficient and self-fulfilling so something really empowering about burlesque is that it's a platform to bring forth whatever you whatever it is you want to share whether you know in neo burlesque in particular that's like a more um contemporary form of burlesque where you can really bring us like a storyline is really important and a narrative Mm. whereas you have classic and that's very much focused on the striptease and the titillation and the costumes and the glamour. So I think um, burlesque in itself is a movement of feminism because we're kind of, it's it's a reclamation of sexuality um, and it's empowering because you get to create your own costume, your own concept, you know, your own storyline, um, you know, you design the music, you get your own gigs, you do, you, you know, you're kind of your own financial like advisor in a way, yeah. you know, and you're, you're working, you're performing, you're rehearsing and it's, it's all, it's all you, you yeah. know, like we, most burlesque performers 
performers, um, like some have agents, but most of us are completely independent. Right. And there's just something, yeah, it's just nice to be like, we can do it. Like, I can do that. And yeah. I thought Rosie the Riveter, yeah, and Rosie Rivette just kind of worked really nicely. It was going to be that or Rosie Rosé. <laughs> wow. <Well, laughs> I think we made a good choice. I think you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... You in in the character that you've built, as you just said, you just you've had to build your own whole world around that, including mm. the costumes. Mm. And I'm in preparing for our interview. I kind of was trying to get a sense of who yeah. you were in the <laughs> interviews that you've done in the past. And I'm like, this girl has a busy mind. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it is it is full of ideas mm. and needs lots of outlets to get out. Um, including your crocheted cosies, ah, yes. which I love, um, in their vulva and mm, booby shapes. Yes. Um, <laughs> Can't escape. <laughs> well, it's like you, you are building a whole Rosie Rivette world around <laughs> you. But do you find things like making the costumes and crocheting the cosies, mm. that's a way of like keeping that busy mind kind of active, you know, like getting it out of you, like some of that like – over creative energy definitely definitely I've actually been thinking about this a lot over the past days because I'm actually doing an interview on Monday afternoon um for my application for to do a master's of art therapy oh amazing and I wanted to talk about exactly this so when COVID hit um hard when it hit hard Mm. uh, obviously shows ceased there was a lot of online stuff happening but I just uh it wasn't the same and so performing had ceased um my art class um stopped happening and yeah you know we're kind of stuck in our houses for a while and because I do support work during the day we had to do a lot of phone conversations with clients which was really difficult for me Mm because I I like I live with chronic anxiety and there was something about not being face to face and being able to fully comprehend what's happening with um my clients you know Mm. while speaking over the phone I found myself getting really anxious and finding it hard to kind of sit still Mm. so I I learned crocheting ages ago but I started picking it up again and I would just start crocheting plant holders and there was something about creating something out of nothing that was really rewarding which is exactly like what burlesque is too and I always loved doing that and it was very tactile so it kind of yeah replaced you know what I'd normally be rhinestoning or sewing um and then a really lovely friend named M um requested I make her a a plant cozy yeah with breasts and and I thought you know what challenge accepted I'll do this this (laughs) resonates and I made little pasties for it as well and I'm so grateful to her because ever since uh yeah people I had this idea that maybe you know someone said you should sell these you know they're really great they're really nice and I just gave it a go and then yeah people were into it and they started ordering them and buying them someone else then asked hey how do you feel about trying a vulva and I thought you know what again let's give it a go I love that I just wanted to make really generic challenge myself into a vulva yeah totally totally (laughs) and you know what was actually once just something really therapeutic for me Mm. became this beautiful thing where I could transfer you know my love of celebration of the feminine self and form you know when making different shades and different like labia colors and all of these (laughs) things and I really loved that I got to transfer that energy onto something different that still resonated with my style yeah and you you do seem like someone also that 
likes to please you know part of what i understand of your performance especially mm. the comedic part is yeah. you know you're making people happy yeah and and what people might not know about you is that you do like you do have a day job of yeah. helping people that have mental health issues yes. and disabilities yeah. and you're you support them through that yeah how does that reconcile like you know you have such a different night job to your day job how does that reconcile with you like how do you go from one thing to the other it's (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's challenging um because I find yeah I do have it's kind of like my Achilles heel in a way that I I love to give and I love to facilitate positive experiences for people Mm. and that energizes me and that makes me feel really really good but I'm also deeply empathetic and you know I've got like a heavy guilt schema about me so you know (laughs) is that the Jewish side you think right yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but I as a result, I come down really hard on myself if I feel like I've what I perceive has failed or, I, you know, I haven't mm. succeeded. So that's whether like I don't get the laugh response I wanted when I performed or, you know, I wasn't able to, you know, accomplish what I hope to set out with one of my clients. Um, but I think that burlesque is still a form of escapism for me. And it allows me to kind of have, like, I guess, to have full control again. So in my day job, you know, I can only have so much control doing support work. You know, you have to learn when you can, when you have to step away and say, you know what, like, this is as far as, you know, I can allow myself to go. The rest is up to this individual. They still have to make that choice. And that's really difficult. But I think with burlesque, it's great because it's, it's all on me, you know, and, and, um, yeah, the the control and power is in my hands and I can go as far as I want to. And, like, I think people really underestimate what support work is, mm. um, you know, because you're right there. You're like, you know, I work face-to-face with clients up to seven hours a day, mm. you know, and you can't switch off in that moment. You have to be completely present. Yeah. Um, and do I th- they get to see that comedic side of you and do they have any awareness of what you do outside of your time with them some do yeah Yeah. some do because I work with some really really creative women so you know I think like it's really important to maintain boundaries with clients and you know there's a privacy thing there so I have my burlesque um, profile on private yeah right um just because again you just have to draw your line in the sand but you know where it is constructive to the relationship that you're creating and you know whilst doing so I think strategically yeah you know I think I've you know a couple are aware of what I do um and they think it's awesome and it's Mm. great Mm. um and it inspires them as well which is so wonderful um and then others like I just love to just I have one client who I adore she's quite she's not concerned she's not a conservative Greek lady she likes to pretend she is but (laughs) I was wearing this like little booby necklace that I'm wearing right now the other day and she's like Rosie (laughs) <laughs> those boobies or she's like are you gonna do more are you gonna crochet a boobie right now and like she, she's like oh my god I can't believe it but I know she loves it you know and yeah. I think like we're all adults here you know and 
even um, when I used to work in disability um, at a beautiful, beautiful place called Studio Arts, I actually started off there seven years ago teaching a burlesque workshop. Oh, did you? Know? you? Yeah. yeah, because I wanted to create a safe space for, you know, these adults to express their sexuality and their sexual identity and to embrace their bodies, you know, yeah. and to, you know, know it's okay to, you know, move your hips yeah. and shimmy and just like live a little in a space where, you know, you won't be judged and you yeah. should be celebrated yourself yeah um so I think people get very fixated on the nudity aspect of burlesque but once you understand it it's just so much more you're using your body as a tool for expression you know and people love it yeah getting into your style Mm. I know you you mentioned that um when we were getting ready for this interview that you love the Wayside Wayside Chapel Op Shop and we've obviously um collaborated with them this season um and I know you take your clients there, but yes. I was I, I'm guessing that you are a fan of up shopping and vintage fashion and I just wanted to, you know, confirm that that was the case and what do you love about vintage fashion? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I love op shops, but yeah. they intimidate the heck out of me. Really? I am I get so overwhelmed by the amount of clothes. So. <laughs> I just love them. <laughs> oh, I, and it's a skill. Yeah. So I take such inspiration from um, one of my clients. She was actually the one who said, can we go to that op shop? Okay, yeah. Because she frequented it and she yeah. will always find the most incredible things. Like yeah. the other day, I'm not at the Wayside Chapel one, but at Swap, she found a Vivian Westwood blouse. And she's just, she's so good. So I take a lot of inspiration. Um, <laughs> does, she, does she take you shopping? Yeah, yeah. it kind of feels like that yeah. a little bit. I'm like, yeah, where would you like to go today? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but but I think for me, it's more from a costume perspective. So I remember mm. being um, in Paris and going to the flea markets and finding this incredible midnight blue um, just bugle bead encrusted gown with big shoulder pads yeah. and it was just uh, it was just I couldn't like I bought it and it weighed down my luggage severely <laughs> but I, I had to do it yeah so I get really um, I actually love finding pieces of clothing that I can kind of deconstruct for costume purposes okay yeah, yeah. rather than my uh, rather than for my everyday wear yeah um, so what what is the because um, obviously the costume is an exaggerated yes. version of you yeah. um, or or is it is it is mm. it still is it an exaggerated version it's it's an exaggerated version of something yes totally but is that basis you and then what is your how would you define your day style you know you just Rosie as Rosie, not Rosie as performer. Mm, I think Rosie as Rosie, yeah, loves a cinched waist. Yeah. Big time. I love that. Um, I just, I'm, I'm just like a really big fan of just dressing to your body. It doesn't mm. matter like what shape you are, but if you know how to dress it, then you're going to look fab. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think... I think for women, a cinched waist is all nice because we all have a waistline and it just kind of, I don't know, there's just something beautiful mm-hmm. about lines. Is it a throwback to your love of pinups? Yes, I think tiny so. little waist. Yes, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I just love, yeah, exactly. The little capri pants and, you know, um, yeah, the bullet bras and my fashion is just, yeah, it's really interesting. It's like I've always maintained a cat eye. I love having a bold lipstick. Mm. Um, my hair, though, is quite nice, like quite a flapper style at the moment. But yeah. then it's got a, an odd undercut. <laughs> so I'm really a mixed up fusion of different styles. Um, 
I love like a palazzo pant as well. So beautiful wide leg. Mm. Um, and I usually love like a nice fitted top as well. So I'm very much a fan, I'm noticing as I speak, of a silhouette rather than a specific, um, you know, like pattern or design or, or I mean, I do love, I was going to say fabric because I love velvet. But um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I've got a very, a very strong silhouette that I love to follow. And if anything falls into line with that, I'm for it. Like yeah. even for work, I'll wear just like some shorts and a singlet top, but I always have to make sure that like, my waist bit, is cinched, bit, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's kind of fitted on the top and it can be looser down there, but my proportions always kind of have to be... Right. Right, but yeah. I've, I've never been able to fully pin down, like, what, you know what I mean, like, what my specific style, style is. is. Yeah. It's funny because you've also talked about art as mm. being... Um, a great way to express yourself non-verbally. Yes. Would you say the same for style? hundred percent. Absolutely. And then if you, if you do say that, then what, you know, what can we extract about your message to the world from the way you dress? It's such a safe risk to take. <laughs> it's so it feels high, like the stakes feel high, you know, when you're wearing something, you're just not too sure. Yeah. If you look, you know, ridiculous but at the end of the day it's causing no harm to anyone you know I think it's just such a safe space to play and express yourself and you don't have to have you know a lot of money to do it Mm. you know I think like shows like RuPaul's Drag Race are a really beautiful demonstration of that you have a lot of queens who really came from you know really 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 poor backgrounds Mm. and they just managed to construct fantasies you see that in Vogue as well you know like if you're determined and you have an image that you want to fulfill, like you just have to let your mind open up and just get a little bit creative and resourceful, Mm. you know, and if you can visualize it, then I, I often find when I do go up shopping, I I need to know what I need, like, or what I envision. And then it's just so much easier to scan through Mm. and find what I want. So do you, what do you prefer, uh, your costumes or getting dressed, like getting dressed in costume or getting dressed for, costumes yeah yeah I love it I love it because it's just I don't know it's exactly it's like you're saying it's it's an enhancement of self and with that comes makeup and this character and you just feel like a bit of a superhuman when you're in a costume but I guess it's the same yeah like you can still apply that to everyday wear like if I've got a specific outfit that I love like last night I was wearing um this beautiful red satin wills and doll baby Mm. dress and I had these pink satin heels was your mum into wills and dolls baby back in the day my year 10 formal dress that she bought for me what a legend velvet (laughs) wheels and doll baby i can imagine i still have it hanging up yeah color um black Black. yeah oh (laughs) amazing for year 10 formal like oh so (laughs) so good you were destined for a great career (laughs) in uh you know expressing yourself in a feminine way totally (laughs) and you know it makes actually that reminds me so i worked at um agent provocateur for quite a couple of years as well and that was my favorite and i also worked at alana hill yes funnily it was like tiger lily alana hill then agent provocateur and I loved that, like that shop really, like working there really, really um, enhanced my love of lingerie and costume and Mm. glamour and there was something about bringing what is normally worn under, you know, as outerwear, like there were these beautiful ways to just flash a little, you know, a little glimpse of eyelash lace or, you know, a little Swarovski crystal or, yeah. yeah. We've talked about 
fashion, what, yeah. what we put on, yeah. up to costume and performance. Yeah. Now let's take it all off. All right. And talk yeah. about Can your move. Magnolia art classes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, for sure. Can you give our audience a rundown on what your what they, they are and what they mm. entail? Yes, so Magnolia's art class is an art class um, for cis and trans women, but also any um, non-binary individuals um, who are comfortable in a space that still centres on the experience of women. Mm. And it is a clothing optional art class. So that means that you can be completely naked if you want to. (laughs) And the purpose of that is just so that we just get used to and we have an opportunity to celebrate diversity of forms and different bodies because yep. no body is the same. So why why are we all trying to put ourselves into a box, you know? And I think even with Instagram, there's a huge body positive movement. But with that still comes, you know, a lot of editing and airbrushing and, you know, curating. But the magic of Magnolia is that you're seeing people in the flesh. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The lighting is very flattering in yeah. there, I must <laughs> say. It's not like some harsh white light. Yeah. That'd suck. Um, yeah. But it's it's just this awesome space where, you know, you get to learn how to do basic life drawing so Kate um who runs Magnolia's with me so she teaches basic life drawing technique um and then in the second half anyone can go up and pose so it means that everyone also gets to draw different bodies throughout the class people get an opportunity to model for the first time if that's something they're really interested in but they're in a really safe space to do so where they can kind of yeah they can learn about what it's like to be up there without having to go through you know two hours you know, from their first time at a different class, you know. And I don't know, everyone's just kind of on the same plane of vulnerability when they're nude, you know. In terms of the venue, Dolce, is where you do the art class. It obviously has an amazing um, history in terms of representing all that the Cross and Potts Point has been. It's been a strip club and rumoured to be a heroin dispensary. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it just, it really holds all the sex, drugs and Mm, rock and roll of, mm. of, of the the area and yeah. and its its history. Yeah. Did that motivate you to go there? Like, you know, just the, the fact that it was a strip club and you could kind of and the performance based element of of the venue or or did you or did you identify with um Dolce Dima, who it's named well, after. Well, definitely. I was going to say, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yes. she is absolutely iconic. And yes. I feel like by naming it Dolce, they've just completely Sorry, I'm saying it. Dolce, Dolce. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> no, of course. Trust me, I also. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I knew immediately that they were reclaiming the space by naming it after Dolce herself. Yeah. And I, it was Brandy who owns it who actually reached out to me because – we initially had magnolias at Daisy's Milk Bar, which was great. It was like after hours at the milk bar, we like covered up the windows and there was something so wonderful about that. But um, then um, Daisy's was no more. So we needed to find a new venue. And Brandy was like, you hold it here. It would be great. Mm. And I just knew right away, you know, here's someone who's so passionate about what I'm doing and is just start, made such a bold and brave choice to start up, you know, a bar uh, in King's Cross that holds the energy of what many people fear has been lost. Yeah. Um, And the space was just so beautiful. And what I love is that, you know, it has gone from being a strip club, which 
Upon speaking to Imogen Kelly, who's actually like the forerunner of burlesque in Australia, she actually used to, she was, uh, you know, she's very out and open, you know, stripper as well. And right. she she used to perform there and has a few like counter arguments to it being a place where it was really, you know, um, demeaning for women. And, you know, right. she actually had some really good experiences there as a stripper. But I also do know for a fact that there was a lot of needles being plucked out of walls yeah. and, <laughs> some, you know, obviously it's it's been a rough place as well. Yeah. And I think it's incredible that it's also now a space where, you know, women are getting nude for a totally different reason. Yeah. And it's not to serve the male gaze yeah. at all, you yeah. know. It's, it's like to totally Im- reclaim themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really, it's really cool knowing that and being in a space where you can feel that yeah, the history. Yeah. 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 It's 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 really nice and I love the venue so much. The only um problem is because it's downstairs, it's not fully accessible or wheelchair accessible. So right. next year I really want to focus on applying for a grant um so that we can open the you know um dulcies so we can open magnolias into different venues um and really amp up the ex um accessibility of it because that's you know that's the ethos of the class and i've always been aware but we'll always keep one at dulcies too because it's the best what else is on the horizon for you well yeah i really want to use if i get into this master's course i would really love to use that to further develop magnolias so i can really understand the therapeutic benefits of of art making Mm. um so whether that would be introducing different modes of art making like photography or sculpture that could be really interesting um I definitely want to be able to work out how to navigate um yeah you know integrating different services that serve different disabilities such as people who are living with deafness that wouldn't require you know um, an Auslan interpreter or making sure that I have um a space that is completely wheelchair accessible. Um, and I just love to work out how I can open up the class to different demographics, you know, and work out how to make it culturally inclusive and just, you know, I just really want to use it as a tool to educate myself so that, you know, everyone can kind of bond upon, you know, a common thread, Mm. but you know, it would be nice, you know, even to work out like if there was, you know, a post, you know, for women who've just come, um, you know, from birth as well, you know, who kind of want to reclaim their their new form and, mm. and celebrate the yeah. fact that they just like brought life into the world yeah. and, you know, like their body is such a beautiful, strong It's a force. really hard thing but to it would feel in that moment, but, but exactly. it would be amazing if there was an outlet it's to exactly. embrace that. Yeah, And others who are in the same boat as well who, who would really benefit from that. So I just... I think for me, I've got a lot of expanding in my own mind and, you know... Looking into a crystal ball of a 70-year-old ah. uh, Rosie, ah. <laughs> are we going to be inspired by, like, Dolce Dima and are you going to be in leopard print doing splits on a oh, stage? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope so. I hope I never let go of leopard print and I think... I'll definitely take a leaf out of my parents' books, which is just to never retire. <laughs> yeah. Just always keep working, you know, and just keep doing what you love because I think that's what keeps you young, yeah. you know, and uh, agile and I think keeps you, yeah, keeps uh, – maintains your sense of identity. So I, I definitely see myself continuing on this path. It's really nice to say that actually I think – for a really long time, up until very recently, I felt really lost about how I was going to merge everything that I was doing. Mm. And I think that art therapy is really going to do that for me. So 
I'm really excited to see what unique practice I'll be able to develop once, yes. you know, I graduate. I'm just going to I'm just going to say it's going to happen. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for oh, joining me pleasure. today. It was an absolute pleasure to thank have you here. Thank you for having me. Oh Yay. <laughs> The character of Rosie Rivette plays homage to the World War II pin-up girl for feminism, Rosie the Riveter, and her corresponding catch cry, we can do it. And yes, Rosie can. However, as we don't typically expect feminism to be expressed through striptease, Rosie has a way of always performing the unexpected. Whether she's swinging sequined nipple tassels, crocheting titbits, or giving gals a safe space to bear all, it's Rosie's style to embrace femininity by empowering it in both herself and others. And while she connects her creativity and comedy to her community and occasionally questions her confidence, she commits her style to completely complementing the shape of her. And it's these wonderful curves and contours of Rosie's colourful style that make her a little magic and oh so riveting. This Christmas, Wayside Chapel will be providing freshly cooked meals and support to the people in need over the entire holiday season. You can donate a plate to help ensure people experiencing homelessness are fed this Christmas at waysidechapel.org.au forward slash donate a plate. If Style Stories made you feel good, please feel free to subscribe, leave a review or explore more of my guest stories on my website or Instagram at madelinepark.co. Thanks for listening.